dropshipping is always still viable. It's just how dropshipping is done is changing. And by that, what I mean is that you can't expect customers to want to wait four to six weeks for an item, not even three to four weeks now. Now it's, you know, one to two weeks sort of max. And that's things because we look at Amazon, especially if you're marketing to America, you know, you can get it within one to two days or even same day as an example. Hi, we're back. This is Ariel Ben-Solomon with season two of Ecom Hunt's podcast with the top influencers in the dropshipping niche. And we are very happy to have back Ricky Hayes all the way in Australia. If you didn't catch our first interview with him, we're going to link that below. And of course, we're going to link below also more information if you want to get more information about Ricky Hayes, his course and what he's about. That will also be there. So welcome, Ricky Hayes. It's good to have you back. Pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity to come back. I hope that I wasn't too boring last time. No, 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 no. I told you last time, people like the intellectual deep take on things, you know? We don't want the superficial stuff, the fluffy stuff that's out there. We don't want the Lamborghinis. Yeah, no Lamborghinis. <laughs> I've noticed on your channel lately, and not just you, but I mean, you've started talking about it, and maybe some other people are picking this up. And we've noticed also a bit of a drop-off in dropshippers a little bit. I don't know, people are getting frustrated, they're leaving. But then there's like this trend to kind of look for something new, look to take it to the next level, which is basically, instead of just dropshipping from AliExpress, looking at the branded option, right? Labeling, building more of a brand. What do you have to say about this in terms of, is the old way of dropshipping, is not really going to work anymore? Yeah, it's a great question. I get that asked a lot now. My honest opinion is dropshipping is always still viable. It's just how dropshipping is done is changing. And by that, what I mean is that you can't expect customers to want to wait four to six weeks for an item, not even three to four weeks now. Now it's you know one to two weeks sort of max. And that's things because we look at Amazon, especially if you're marketing to America, you know, you can get it within one to two days or even same day as an example. The expectations of customers has increased, and that's partly due to the pandemic, where there was a big quantum shift towards e-commerce. So that shift happened. A lot more people moved from brick and mortar to that much faster, traditional retail, I should say. As a result, there's a lot more competitors in the space. Consumers have choice. Consumers know now that they can just type in anywhere. They'll get marketed so much, they have absolute choice. And that's how it should be, really. As a result, to business owners, the ones running the actual business, the expectation has increased. So the definition of dropshipping, I say to me, by definition should still exist, but just more now you can't just like what you're saying, sorry, use AliExpress purely. You have to look at things like private suppliers in China that have faster shipping lines. Private label, as you said, is a very popular one where people can basically just go to Alibaba instead of AliExpress a lot of the time and bulk buy a certain quantity, get it private labeled to your business because that's become very important now. I mean, you look at nearly every makeup or jewelry or cosmetics brand and they're fundamentally selling the same thing if we're looking at cosmetics especially. But what makes it different is that user experience, the box. That's what allows for that long term because 
the biggest reason I always say to people, to me, to build a brand over just a dropshipping model is the traditional dropshipping model is just reliant on new customers consistently. You don't really have many returning customers. And that now is becoming so unsustainably unprofitable that you have to look at those returning customers. And the way to do that is good product, good shipping, good customer service fundamentally. So that's why I look at that. Sorry, a bit of a long speech there. Oh, you <laughs> made a couple of really important points in there. Let's go through that. That first point about branding, a key point there is that to really build value, like a, a valuable company, you have to go the branded route. If you're not going to brand stuff, you're going to be stuck at a very low level, at a very basic level, right? You know, you look at any of these, Gymshark or all these, you know, that really went to the next level. You had to have that branded experience, like you're saying. That's interesting in terms of the branded. What's your take in terms of how quickly to go to that level? I mean, people are testing because people don't want to buy in bulk, right? I mean, in this, mm. it's a little bit of a gamble when you start buying in bulk, right? Yeah, it is. But you have also a better chance of succeeding when you do it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough, tough thing to do, I guess. Especially if we're talking for those that are trying to get into this business with a limited cash flow capital, naturally, that's a very tall order. In an ideal world, love it if cash was just unlimited, wouldn't we? And just go and buy and you wouldn't have any problems. But the reality is that most people don't have that flexibility, I guess. You know, they don't have investors like Gymshark where they can just go and buy all of this, right? How I normally do it, if I'm honest, is I do stick with the traditional dropshipping model initially. So what's most important to me is validating a product to actually know that the product sells. So the first five, 10 orders, if I like a product to compare apples with apples, let's say a brand new store and I was testing some new products, let's say in the dog niche, I would find the product I like, I would market it, see if I can get sales, see if I can get consistent sales and see if the sales are at least break even. If I'm losing a little bit as well, that's fine because I'm testing the waters in relation to how I fulfill them. What I've done historically, although many people say it's somewhat unethical and it's not ideal, is a lot of the times I've emailed the customer saying, look, we're sorry, we've actually out of stock. Can I give you a refund? That's been my approach. So as a result, I sort of just take the money as a loss because that's how I've done it. Or I could ship them the item, drop ship it. It'll be a month or so. I personally just prefer the model of just refunding them. Because now I've got some data and I know the product does have proof of concept. It's usually at that point for me that I will bulk order. I usually bulk order the minimum amount to start with. Because again, like what you said in the beginning, you're trying to build those tiny little... I look at it like a staircase. The stairs get progressively larger the higher you go up. But in the beginning, they're tiny little steps. So that's usually how I would do it. And then... I'll bulk order and I'll usually find a private supplier. A lot of these private agents actually can store it in their own premises and that too. So I'm still dropshipping, but it's still faster. And then as I continue growing, I look into warehouses in specific regions. Let's say United States, I'll look into a warehouse there as an example. I hope that clarifies that a bit more. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. When you're at the beginning there, there's there's other people that do it that way as well, just to test the waters, give the refund instead of dealing with the hassle of fulfilling those. To get it really to a point where you're going to be branding a product as well, there's also the question of terms of if you're going to label it or if you're going to custom design. 
what's your take on this? Because if you're just going to take the exact same product that exists and you're just going to put your brand on it, your box on it, that's going to increase the value right there. Like you said before, just by having that different marketing, unique marketing, but then you could take it another level. For example, a cream, right? You have some type of facial cream. You could change the ingredients to something that nobody else has. And also there's that difference of making the product custom. What's your take on doing that? So again, to me, if I were to be honest, I guess based on the individual circumstance, obviously, but in an ideal world, I'd love to customize it. But with customizing, although it sounds good, has a lot of practical implications at times. So generally, the first thing I would do is I would just try and white label the product. That's what most people generally do is I will either try and get my logo stamped on the product itself, a box with the product as an example. The box with the product is usually the route that I generally take the most. I do also get the logo on the actual product itself as well, which is what a lot of people do too. Once I'm able to get them consistent sales, that's when I'll look at how can I physically improve this product? So to me, I generally try and actually get feedback from my audience. And then as you say, based on that feedback, I then look at actually how I can improve it, you know, use better material, better packaging, whatever the scenario may be. You are entirely right because taking it that next level makes the product even more unique. I always urge people to try and go to those levels because the more unique it is, the less people doing it, the less saturated, the more opportunity you have. I know it's more work, but nowadays it's just sort of one of the things that's very important to try and stay ahead of the competition at least. Yeah, and it's kind of a stepping stone, like you said. First, you test it without any branding. Then you test it with the label boxing branding. And if that works, then you can go to the next level, which is make it unique. In the end, even when you're labeling it, they don't know. I mean, it's basically the same. There could be a lot of... (laughs) Yeah, a lot of the same products and there's different brands. And this is kind of getting into Amazon. It's like dropshipping is turning into Amazon FBA is all about the branding, right? And buying in bulk. And then this is kind of going in the same direction, right? Yeah, fundamentally is. It very much models what Amazon's sort of been doing for the dropshipping community very much. Especially the reason that for those wondering why it's been like that for so long with Amazon is because it's a marketplace where there's hundreds of thousands of sellers all fundamentally selling the same product. What differentiates you from A, B, C, B, E, F, G is your unique messaging, your unique brand, your unique experience. Those things you can always control more than your competitors can. It's a good thing that dropshipping sort of modeling it, in my opinion, because then customers just get an overall better experience in an ideal fashion. Do you ever running your products on multiple platforms, Amazon and your store? Facebook and Google and you're just doing everything. I know you're a real fan of YouTube ads and Google as well. but Yes. So I've used Amazon. I found it's a bit of a pain at times with the sort of fulfillment process, like integrating it into Shopify because Uh, you have to have a US store and I'm from Australia. So they're like, nah, we're going to make your life hard. So (laughs) if you're an American merchant, you know, it's much easier because you've got that native integration. I've personally not put a huge focus on it though because these other platforms you don't control the journey as much i know that these platforms have their benefits because i if i'm honest i use ebay amazon etsy etsy is a very good one too for those wondering but they'll never be my focus points because the reason that i've always gone down the shopify path and why i say to most people is you control it you have more control it's yours whereas on amazon you could be shut down 
Amazon, you can't control your email marketing. Same with these sort of other ones. It's always my strong recommendation to take that more in-house, more work, more pain, usually better long-term. Yeah, so if we're talking about the pluses and minuses of going in the Amazon direction first or the Shopify direction, you're making some good points here. So to clarify what you're saying, you're saying basically you go with your own Shopify, your own store, you're controlling all the data, you own the customers, you're building your own email list, and you're going to be able to remarket them with SMS, email, whatever you want. On Amazon, you don't control your customers. It goes through Amazon. And so you aren't really building anything in the end. Because, I mean, if you're only on Amazon, it's like, what do you own? What's your asset? I mean, I guess you have this product, but you don't have anything to show. I mean, if you want to sell your business, it seems harder to sell it, right? You're exactly right. And actually, that's probably the final point you said there to me is probably actually the most important one to me, selling your business. I'm a big advocate for, I like to grow a business, get it valued, and then you know sell it. People make millions upon millions of dollars that method, and it's a real legitimate way of making a lot of money, and I love it. With Amazon and Etsy and that, how can you really value that? You're basically just a merchant in a sea of merchants, whereas Shopify, as you said, it can be quantified because it's yours and that list. You know, People pay a lot of money just for email lists because For instance, I consistently see what drives a lot of my business sustainability now is email marketing. Generally, I sit at about 30, 40%. My overall revenue is just from email marketing because once you've built that relationship with a customer and it was a good experience, whatever that experience may have been, they've gotten a good product, good service, good shipping times. Those are the three pillars to me. Then people will generally buy from you again because it's the first purchase that's always the hardest to get. People are dubious. You look at anything in life, we're always dubious. You put a dollar on any transaction and that paywall and people get scared to some extent. That's just human nature. But once broken through that, that's where things like an email list, like what you said, for remarketing is just absolutely invaluable. And the best part is once it's set up and it's consistent, it's just basically just liquid gold. Instead of you paying $15, $20 to acquire a customer, you pay nearly nothing. You're just paying for the email marketing software to do the work for you. That's what I love about it. And it becomes free money at some point. I have a store that I turn off all the ads, all the Facebook ads. And then you just have the email marketing and the SMS and that kind of stuff in your Facebook group. And then just that you're generating some sales. Not as high as it would be with Facebook, but still there's stuff churning without any Facebook. Yeah. You make a good point there. It's always important that I should add that you should never be 100% reliant on your email list because at some point that will sort of dry up. You always need that fine combination between new customers and existing customers. Existing customers we love because it's liquid gold and they usually spend more the second, third, fourth, fifth time. But you also need those new customers coming in to help feed that because over time, you can't be reliant on a certain pool of customers to just sustain your business forever. It's just not sustainable. The other difference I would say when we're talking about Amazon and Shopify, Amazon, like you said, it does make it much easier because you don't have to do the ads. You don't have to create these ads. All this Facebook, <laughs> it can be quite tedious and time-consuming and changing the ads and testing ads and A-B testing. And Amazon, you just throw it up there. Everyone has the same white background. And so it's very simple in that way. And they have a lot of traffic. So if you can get on the certain keywords there, then you can, I guess, do well. I mean, but I think the fees also can get bite into the profits there. I've personally never done PPC on Amazon, if I'm perfectly honest. 
I imagine it's much like, let's say, doing Google ads where basically you set up a campaign keywords and you bid. It does have its perks. I'm not against Amazon personally. My preference has always just been the more you can take things in-house, the better. Amazon definitely has its perks for sure. And a lot of people make still a lot of money there. The problem is that the people making a lot of money are already so well solidified, new players coming in. It's like the expectations are a thousand times harder. And so that's another reason I prefer Shopify because you have a lot more control. You don't just have to rely on Facebook ads, like you said. There's a lot of people getting a lot of money from you know alternative traffic sources, whether it is Google, whether it is YouTube, whether it is SEO, yeah. influencer marketing. You talk a lot also about blogs, like creating blogs and then top 10, whatever. I find blogs are exceptional, both paid blog posts. So I do a lot of those where I pay someone in the dog niche to yeah. include me in a link as a linking strategy, as well as having your own and those whole top 10, because that's what sort of we look for, don't we? I mean, even though we know people who are in the business, we know that all of that is basically sponsored content. We still... Yeah, exactly. That's a funny thing, isn't it? You know, we know that because we're marketers and businessmen, but to the average Joe Blow that, you know, doesn't have any interest in our world, you know, to them, that's just a normal part of life. Like I still do it where, you know, top 10 streaming services and you'll find like 20 articles telling you what their recommendations are. And people look at those very seriously because it's giving value and people buy into value rather than just people, I find, don't like to be sold straight out the gate. Naturally, we don't like that hard salesman saying, buy my product now. So that's why blogs work very well because it's sort of that soft selling. People build that trust and rapport and then it just sort of works from there. I see many people actually, from what I see, that are just purely just doing blog promotions and that's their entire traffic source and it works very well for them. I mean, look at how now we're starting to see the rise of people doing a lot of payments to, I can't remember what agencies or whatever you call them, but to get promotions on Yahoo, on Fox News, they have such a great traffic source and it's such a soft way of selling that you get an extremely good conversion rate from those. Okay, let's move to the last subject I want to get on with you is to get some insight into the new Debutify, the latest update. It's Debutify 3, right? Correct. Yeah. So we're technically, as of today, Debutify 3.02, you know, just some improvements, I guess, so to speak. What's the upgrade? I know there's all these options. Would you choose this theme and this theme? Or should you go with like Zipify or this or that? How does Debutify compare in terms of that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. To break down your question, first and foremost, to go from two to three was basically to restructure the entire baseline of the app in terms of smoother experience, basically is what I'll put it down to, smoother experience as well as faster speeds. You know, 2.0 seemed that the way that it was the base was had its limits in terms of speed because the most important thing really now in a theme is basically, is it fast and is it mobile optimized? And so really wanted to, in the new version, make sure that that's just pretty much the entire focus because, you know, if people have to wait an extra second, that's a lot of potential sales lost nowadays. And so it was just a necessary upgrade there. One of the things I wanted to do as well is have a theme that's a lot more versatile. And what I mean by that is a lot of people have a a lot of products on their store. I personally have, you know, well over 200 different SKUs on any given store, individual stock keeping unit SKUs for those who aren't aware. And 
to me, it's just really important now to have a lot of flexibility and choice. And what I mean by that is, for instance, if you have multiple products, you're drop shipping, you might have different shipping times naturally, depending on different suppliers and the back end requirements. So, you know, have an option where people can customize it per product. That's interesting. I didn't know about that. We're still working with building out the better marketing so people are more aware of that. So that's an area we have to fix. But anyway, but basically what my focus is, is giving customer choice as to how they can customize it to their own unique wants and needs quickly and easily, because that's how I would want it. And that's how I sort of need it, because I personally use it and I find it works pretty well. And so I use it also to give a lot of feedback because that's the benefit of what you were saying, like with landing page builders complete customization tailored to a specific product. And basically, I wanted to be able to build a landing page as a thing so that people can have a lot of products without having to spend ages. Because building landing pages historically for a lot of people has taken a long time. I wanted to sort of bridge that gap as well, where you sort of have that landing page that already mostly done for you on wide scale of products but also still being able to customize it quickly and easily. That's really sort of the end goal. I will still always say to people that, you know, landing page builders are absolutely fantastic for if you're scaling really high because you 100% control the journey. But Beautify does 98% of the work. It's sort of what I want to see. And at the end of the day, try and save people some money on having to have a million apps because I hate having a million apps because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a waste of your time. <laughs> waste of time. And the million apps slows you down too. Once you start adding on those apps, they're adding up money and they're slowing things down. You don't realize, I don't know, it's best to keep if you're on the apps to a minimum. I mean, it's the best way if you can get some type of theme, I guess, where you don't have to barely add anything. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the annoying part for me. Like I've gone through historically, like the more apps you have, the more you have to keep updated because, you know, all these apps and that naturally they change and stuff too. Integrations, new features you know, various things that happen. And the biggest thing, as what you're sort of saying to me, is that the more apps you generally have, although it sounds good to help with personalizing your brand, it really slows down your store. I found that out the hard way when I remember in my early days, I had like 17 apps and my load times for my store was like 17 seconds. I'm like, why am I not getting sad? I'm like, ah, oh, that's why. No one wants to wait 17 seconds for a web page to load. That's ridiculous. This was a great interview. I think people are going to get a lot of value. We're going to put the link for your YouTube channel. So you got to check it out. His stuff is deep. You're not going to get Lamborghinis on his channel. I don't have a Lamborghini, no. <laughs> the value is there. It's real. It's authentic. I like the word authentic. 